Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship on the second Sunday of Easter. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, for the offering, the box is at the back of the church there, or you can donate electronically through our website or through e-transfer, whatever is most convenient for you. Our annual meeting has been rescheduled again. We're having trouble getting enough people together. So we're going to have it. It's going to be on a Tuesday evening, which is a little bit different, but it seems like Sundays are not going to work for a while. So it will be Tuesday, May 24th at 7 p.m. Uh, a couple of mistakes or omissions have been noticed in the annual report, so we're getting that fixed this week, and reports will be ready next week. So thank you for your patience on that. Um, on Sunday, May 8th, Mother's Day, we're going to have a hymn sing. And so if you have some favorites that you would like to sing, talk to Paula Jane. And uh, she will collect those suggestions and put, help put together the service of what we will sing on May 8th. I feel like I'm missing something, but again, as usual, continue to wear your masks, uh, seek the social distance as much as possible, and uh, we'll continue through this sixth wave of COVID, believe it or not. Um, thank you for all the thoughts and prayers. Uh, as myself and my family has gone through COVID, we are on the rebound. I'm feeling much better now after a couple of weeks and not feeling great. Um, but uh, hopefully this week our household will be clear, if we're, so we hope, of COVID. It was pretty mild for us. It wasn't anything serious, but it just, it's just annoying and, and not terribly comfortable. It's, it's a bit of a cold type thing that just seems to last and last. So I don't wish it on any of you. So please seek to be safe. Any other announcements to share this morning? Somebody might have had a birthday this week. Yes, I had a birthday this week. Thank you very much. Anything else to share today? All right, let's just take a moment of silence to prepare our hearts to worship our God. We light this candle to remember Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, light of the world, walks with us each and every day. Let us join together for a response of Psalm, which is Psalm 149. There we go. Sing to God a new song. Let Israel rejoice in its maker. Let them praise God's name with dancing. For you, O oh God, take delight in your people. Let the faithful exult in their glory. Let God's praise be on their lips. To bring the nations to justice. To bind their rulers with fetters. To execute them on them the sentence decree. This is the glory of all God's saints. Alleluia, alleluia. 
Let's join together in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, God, we continue to celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son, as we worship this day. May our hearts be filled, and may our lives reflect his glory now and forever. Amen. Let us sing together all praise to thee. Saul kept on threatening to kill the Lord's followers. He even went to the high priest and asked for letters to the Jewish leaders in Damascus. He did this because he wanted to arrest and take to Jerusalem any man or woman who had accepted the Lord's way. When Saul had almost reached Damascus, a bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you so cruel to me? Who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus, the Lord answered. I am the one you are so cruel to. Now get up and go into the city where you will be told what to do. The men with Saul stood there speechless. They had heard the voice, but they had not seen anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could not see a thing. Someone then led him by the hand to Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink. 
a follower named Ananus lived in Damascus, and the Lord spoke with him in a vision. Ananus answered, Lord, here I am. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. When you get there, you will find a man named Saul from the city of Tarsus. Saul is praying, and he has seen a vision. He saw a man named Ananus coming to him and putting his hand on him so that he could see again. Ananus replied, Lord, a lot of people have told me about the terrible things this man has done to your followers in Jerusalem. Now the chief priests have given him the power to come here and arrest anyone who worships in his name. The Lord said to Ananus, Go, I have chosen him to tell foreigners, kings, and the people of Israel about me. I will show him how much he must suffer for worshiping in my name. Ananus left and went into the house where Saul was staying. Ananus placed his hand on him and said, Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me. He is the same one who appeared to you along the road. He wants you to be able to see and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see. He got up and was baptized. Then he ate and felt much better. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, we gather today, continuing to celebrate the gift of life found in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. As we move into the life 
of the apostles as we move into the life given by them, led by you. We seek wisdom. We seek direction. We too seek life. So Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. There was a story in the news a few weeks ago. It was about a young woman from the Halifax area. Her name is Laura Eamon. Laura started drinking when she was in high school. She was attracted to it because it got her invited to parties, it gave her confidence, and she made friends. When she went to Carleton University in Ottawa, the drinking took over her life. There were several moments, several points where she was taken to hospital because of her drinking and she had blacked out. She regularly drank until she blacked out. And by the time she was in the second year of university, she had to drop out because she was unable to function because she was drinking so much. She moved back to Halifax and ended up working a couple of, uh, a number of retail jobs when she was able to get up in the morning, to go to work, that is, because of the hangovers. She was essentially homeless. She spent night after night going from couch to couch of her friends, just trying to find a place to sleep and to live. In the summer of 2013, she woke up one morning in a hotel room. She had no idea what hotel it was or how she got there. She went to her first AA meeting that night, and she cried for the entire meeting. But she wasn't crying because of the concern she had that she had blacked out once again and woken up in a strange place and didn't know how to get there. She was crying because she mourned the fact she couldn't go to beach parties anymore because she couldn't drink, and she couldn't live with that. So she continued drinking. She continued drinking until November of that same year, 2013, when she was sexually assaulted. And she realized at that point that in her weakened, vulnerable, alcoholic state, she was completely out of control of what was happening in her life and to her life. She went to another AA meeting, and it was that meeting where she started to seek sobriety. She began to make important life changes she started hanging out with different people, new friends, people who did not enable her alcoholism. She worked hard at rebuilding her life. She became a student at St. Mary's University, and she was about to embark on her final year, and she just landed the prestigious Frank H. Sobey scholarship worth $35,000. I suspect her, source, her story may be a source of inspiration for many people, and I hope it is especially those who are struggling with addiction in their lives. The sad reality is that for every story like Laura's, there are probably dozens who don't make it. And as I read her story, I think of the many young people in Cape Breton who struggle and the number who die every year because of drug and alcohol abuse. I think of people I grew up with who had promising lives ahead of them, who ruined it because of their dependency on drugs and alcohol. Good, young people who had promising, seemingly limitless lives ahead of them. Yet it happens. People do overcome addiction. Now, maybe not all of them receive $35,000 scholarships, but every person who turns their life around is a victory. It's a victory because they're one less in the statistics column They are one less obituary of someone who's gone too soon. Now, turning one's life around is no small or easy task. For Laura, it meant completely changing her life, including everyone she hung out with, including how she managed her day hour by hour, all of it seeking to remove the temptation of alcohol in her life. Now, back in my early 20s, I like to have a drink on occasion. In university, I liked to go to the occasional party. I wasn't a problem drinker. I never drank to excess. 
But one day in my mid-twenties, I just decided I was done with it. And I wondered what the whole point of it was for me. Now, don't get me wrong, if you're an occasional drinker who likes to have a drink over dinner or with guests, I'm not condemning you, I'm not judging you. In fact, there are studies that show the occasional drink can be a healthy thing for some people. The occasional drink. I just felt personally for me, the need to get a buzz on seemed pointless. And I could enjoy my life better without it. However you look at these problems, making life changes, changing your lifestyle is never easy. I've been working out throughout the winter, trying to get into shape to compete this summer in track and field when I'm able. I've been losing a little bit of weight. I've been feeling better. I've been feeling healthier. It's all not bad for a guy who turned 48 on Friday. But then I ended up getting COVID. And honestly, up until today, I had still been feeling the effects of it. I'm feeling much stronger today than I have in, a, well, probably two weeks now. I had trouble uh, with my stamina. It was incredibly diminished. I could not work out this week at all for any kind of endurance type stuff. Um, my lung capacity wasn't the same. I had trouble breathing. Two steps forward, one, back, one step back, I hope. Lifestyle changes are, are a challenge. No question. We get accustomed to a certain way of living and switching things up for what we hope is the better our body can sometimes even revolt on us. And maybe our friends and neighbors and family might even become suspicious as to what we're up to. But when we seek to change our life for the better, whatever it may be, whether it's to eliminate something from our life or to embrace something better, it's usually worth it. And we seek to enjoy the benefits of a, of a healthier, newer lifestyle. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the story of Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Paul has done a whole lot for the church, but where he came from is a troubling place. The good news is his writings and his life still inspire us today, but what did he go through? Where did he come from? What are the things that formed him and how was his life impacted with an encounter with Jesus? Today, Tess read for us, Paul's conversion story. And Acts 9 starts us right away with who Paul was, who was then known as Saul. And we heard these words. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, the church, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul has a history. When the Apostle Paul was stoned to death for being a follower of Jesus, Saul was there. Saul was watching. Saul may have even had an oversight-type role in the execution of Stephen. Saul was a zealous defender of the Jewish way of life. He talked to and reported to regularly the priests in an effort to keep them up to date as to how he was stopping the ones who followed the way, the ones who followed Jesus, the new church, this new movement. He hunted down, he arrested Christians, he dragged them from their homes, he threw them into jail, and some of them he even had executed. And as we pick up this story today, we read that Saul has in his possession letters from the from the from the religious leaders, that if he goes to Damascus and finds anybody in that city who is following Jesus, worshiping Jesus, he has these letters of authority that say he can arrest them and take them back to Jerusalem for punishment. Saul has the full support of the Jewish religious leaders in his hands. And he is ready to go into Damascus and drag every Christian he can find back to Jerusalem. He has decided they've been problems long enough and he's going to put an end to it by any means necessary. He's done with this Jesus guy. No more conversions, no more baptisms. He's going to bring it to an end. So he's on his way to Damascus feeling pretty good about himself. He's probably walking with his buddies, having a good chuckle about what he's going to do to anyone he finds. 
just making the best of their journey. They're going to go finish, thing, finish things for once and for all. But as he's going, all of a sudden, this flashing light from heaven surrounds him. And he, he's frozen in the middle of the road. He falls to the ground. And Saul hears a voice. It says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now Saul's response is interesting because he says, Where, like, who are you, Lord? Who are you? Saul recognizes that this is a voice from heaven. But it's confusing because all along he feels like he's been doing the Lord's work. He's been chasing down these rebels and bringing them to justice. So this voice asking why is he persecuting the voice, he's thrown for a bit of a loop. He doesn't know quite what to think. So he asks, who are you, Lord? The voice replies, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. The heavenly voice is the voice of Jesus. Now Saul knows this voice is from heaven. It makes sense. Like the flashing lights, the disembodied sound of the voice, it definitely is a message from heaven. But he never expected it to be Jesus. It's this Jesus, this troublemaker, this guy that Saul is trying to hunt down the followers of. It's not at all what he expected. And now the voice says, go to Damascus and wait there for your further instructions. Saul's got to be a bit of a mess. Everything he's ever known in his life is now thrown into question. And who knows what he's thinking in this moment. So I suspect his friends helped him up off the ground. His, his, his deputies helped him up. And Saul opens his eyes and he can't see anything. He's blind. The men who helped him up, they heard it. They saw it all. They saw the light. They heard the voice. And they go and they seek and they, and they follow the, the instructions. They lead Saul into Damascus to wait and see what happens next. For three days, Saul cannot see a single thing. Meanwhile, while these three days are going on, a man named Ananias, who lives in Damascus, and he is a disciple of Jesus. And he is at home, and God speaks to him. He says, go to the house where Saul of Tarsus is staying. He's been praying, and he's seen a vision that Ananias would come to him so that he can see once again. Now Ananias recognizes that name, Saul of Tarsus. He knows this man. He knows what he has done. And he even knows what Saul has come to Damascus to do. But the Lord says, go, I have a job for him. And Ananias gets up and goes. He goes to the house of Saul, saying he lays hands on him, he prays for his sight, but he also prays that Saul receives the Holy Spirit. As Ananias finishes praying, we're told that scales fell from his eyes, and Saul can see again. Ananias then baptizes Saul. And of course, afterwards, they have a bite to eat. Like any good church service. To my knowledge, I think this is the first time they've mentioned kind of having a church dinner after. I didn't really research it. I'm just, it feels like it to me. Ananias had every reason to question God as to why he should go to see Saul. He, should, he had every reason to doubt it. Ananias could very well be risking his life by going to that house. And to be honest, I'm not sure I would have done it. It would have been a very dangerous situation. The early church, they knew Saul of Tarsus. They knew who he was. They knew his history. They knew his reputation. They knew his hatred. They knew it all very well. Yet somehow Ananias found the strength and the courage to go. I guess it's a bit of a testament as to the trust we find in God when he gives us such instructions, even if it is go in places where we feel like we shouldn't go. But when he says go, 
and we feel that confidence, we feel that strength of God within us, we cannot help but go. The remarkable part of the story, though, is Saul. Saul had three days of blindness, sitting in darkness, to reflect on what had happened on the road, to reflect on that voice, to reflect on the vision he received of Ananias coming to him. And then Ananias showed up at the door as the vision said it would, he would. And Saul, Ananias prayed for Saul and he got his sight back. And he received the Holy Spirit and he was baptized. This is remarkable for a man who was on his way to throw every single one of them in jail, every one he could find, for doing exactly what he had received from Ananias. As you read on in the book of Acts, we read that Saul spends a couple of days with the apostles. And then he begins to preach after those days. And everyone is amazed. They look at one another and ask, isn't this the guy that hates us? Like, what's going on? And here Saul is, he's preaching. And he's bringing more people into the church. He's proclaiming the name of Jesus. Saul has had such a transformation in his life that the Jewish leaders plot to kill him. To kill Saul. When Saul makes it back to Jerusalem, he tries to gather with the disciples. But they lock him out. He's locked out of the house. They were afraid of him. They didn't believe that he could be transformed so dramatically. It had to be a trick of some sort. He had to be trying to fool them to get inside and and take them down from the inside. But it was true. Saul, once the hunter of Christians, became one of them. But not only became one of them, grew and became one of their most trusted and respected leaders. And a voice that we still learn from and are inspired by today. No one, absolutely no one, could have predicted that Saul would change his life so dramatically. It just doesn't seem possible. The other day, I spent a few hours in, in the Sydney courtroom. I was accompanying someone who was there to testify at a pretrial hearing. Now, it turns out the liars decided they didn't need the pretrial, so we were sent away. But we sat there through a number of cases that were just minor kind of things. Actually, a number of them were just trying to reschedule the cases because of COVID impacting the, something to go on there. But there was one man who was seemingly convicted of, of a rather serious break and enter. He was sentenced to house arrest, I think for about two years from what I could gather. He was allowed to leave for periods of time for, for appointments or, or employment or what, as part of his condition. But he had a very, very strict curfew. If he didn't have to be out, he was to be home. And he was from a neighborhood that's known for supplying troublemakers. And he was in court that morning to see about some getting his uh, sentence reduced or altered. And the judge read off a report about what this man has been up to since uh, his sentencing roughly two years ago. He had gotten involved with programs for addiction. He received counseling. He had fulfilled his community service requirements. In fact, he had done more than that. He began to volunteer on his own in the community. He got a job. And as the judge listed off all these things, the judge commended him for every step of the way, for everything he has done. And in the end, on the agreement of both the lawyer and the judge, they did reduce his restrictions. He still had a curfew, but it was much less than it was before. And the judge encouraged him to continue on the path he was taking. Not only for having paid back for his crime as as he was required, but also to show that he is on his way to being a very productive member of his community. People can change. People like Laura Eamon can change. People like this man in the courthouse can change. 
From what I've seen from the story of both of these people, they could have very easily continued down that slippery path they were on and and completely ruined their lives. In fact, you could argue that they were very, very, very close to it before. But they chose to change things. They chose to better themselves. They chose differently. They chose wisely. They chose to believe in themselves and follow a new path. Saul could have blamed that thing on the road to Damascus to heat stroke or bad sushi or something. But he didn't. He chose to believe. He chose to listen to that voice that spoke to him. He chose to to believe that voice. He chose to follow the path that God had redirected him down. And he did it all willingly. I know a number of ministers who spent years, maybe even in, in decades in some cases, trying to run from God's call to become a minister. They tried to reason with God, saying, I'll, I'll go to church, I'll, I'll do this work, which is pretty close to being a church, being a minister. They tried, it's close enough, they thought. But God persisted. He didn't let them be. He kept after them kept reminding them that he has a plan for them. And eventually, they all relented and listened to God's call in their lives and became ministers. Now Saul, he didn't wait at all. He jumped in right away. Others do take time. But I also believe it's all part of God's timing. I sometimes wonder what it might have been like in my life had I gone to church at a younger age. Would I have become a minister sooner? But then I think God met me when I needed him. And, and then he, showed, he pointed out the way I was to go. I like to think that God let me wrestle at times in my life with things so that I can learn on my own, develop skills that I could use in the church so that I could be a leader in the church. I believe we're all ministers. Every one of us here. We may not have the title the reverend, but we all have a part to play in God's plan in this world. God does indeed have a plan for us. It doesn't matter if you've been running from God all your life or you've been to church every single day since you've been born. God will meet you where you are and help you transform your life into the life he has in store for you. Maybe he's already done amazing things in your life, and that is amazing. That's awesome. Wonderful. And I'm so thankful for what he has done in my life. But I also know he's not finished with me yet. There are still things in me that God probably does not care for a lot. And it needs his cleansing. It needs his direction. And I hope and pray I am open enough to hear his word and his voice and to follow the instructions he gives me when he addresses them. Just as I hope and pray that when God speaks to you, you will listen as well. Saul, who eventually becomes Paul, is a man whose life is completely changed in an encounter with the risen Christ in the middle of a road, in the middle of nowhere, while he was on his way to destroy the church of Damascus. But God gave him a different plan. Now, I don't think any of us want to destroy the church. I'm fairly confident in saying that. But God does have a plan for us regardless. And we can learn of this plan when we seek out his plan and his voice. God does not stop us in the middle of the road very often with a flashing light and a booming voice. He rarely ever does that. But I promise you that he will meet with you every single day if we stop and we spend time in prayer with him. He will speak to us when we stop and we listen. And he will transform our lives for his glory, much like how he transformed Saul's life to become among the most well-known church leaders ever in history. May we learn from his life. May we learn from his example. May we learn from his conversion and how he lived his life following May we learn from his writings and may we turn to God as followers of the way, as followers of Jesus 
and be made new. Saul changed so much, he changed his name to Paul. We may not, we, we may not need to go quite that far. But as we live our lives, as God transforms us, may others recognize God within us as we seek to live for his glory. Amen. In a few moments, we're going to have communion together. And Did everybody get a cup? You may just want to take a moment before we sing just to make sure it's loose a little bit. There's two layers, remember? There's a, silver, a clear layer that holds the wafer and then it's more solid layer that encapsulates the juice. Just so we're ready. If you didn't get one, they're at the back there. And let us sing together. Good Christians all rejoice and sing as we prepare to, to have a meal with our Lord and Savior. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. The tree of life in the midst of the garden was the tree of our defeat. Christ was lifted up on the tree of victory, and there life was lost. And where life was lost, there life has been restored. And so we praise you with the words, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we come to you as your servant people. We come this morning to celebrate your gift to us. In our time here on earth, we are aware that we sometimes fall short of your redeeming plan. We come into this place seeking forgiveness for the sins in our lives. We also know that you are our Savior, 
that in believing and seeking new life in you, we are forgiven. For this amazing gift, we give our thanks as we say together, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. We remember, O Lord, on the night Jesus sat with his disciples. After they were seated, Jesus took the bread, thanked you, broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. After the meal, Jesus took the cup, thanked you, and said, This is my blood shed for you. Whenever you drink of this cup, remember me. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. As we take of this bread, let us remember Jesus Christ and his sacrifice lives and reigns with us now and forever. In the shedding of his blood, Jesus Christ gave his life for our own. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, in a wonderful sacrament of strength with us, with the saving power of your suffering, death, and resurrection, may this sacrament of your body and blood so work in us that the way we live, that the fruits of your redemption will show forth in the way we live. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our closing hymn today is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore You.
My friends, let us go from this place knowing that God can transform anyone. Saul, Laura, the young man at the courthouse, and he may transform us to become those who live for his glory, both now and forever. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, and each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.